And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean McCarthy. All right, everyone, it is weighing in with Josh the Punk Thompson and me, Big John McCarthy. We are able to come to you on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and as I always say, a plethora of other podcasting platforms. If you are an old subscriber, like we say, thank you for being with us. New subscribers, come on, join in. I hope you enjoy. This is our show, and we talk about MMA. What's up, Joshua? What's up, buddy? Um, do me a favor. I can barely hear you. I think your mic's a little bit far away. Oh, man. Sorry, are man. you kidding me? There you How's go. That? See Better? that beautiful voice? I absolutely love it. Thank you very much. I am going do I to, to do that again. Uh, before we get into the fights, I'm going to see you in what? Like 48 hours? Uh, yeah. Well, we got a quarantine for 24, there. so probably. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Um, I'm excited. So let's let's uh, let's let's talk Bellator just real quick before we get into the fights. What do you let's what do you talk think about it? Let's talk about this card. What do you think about this card is coming up? It's actually a really good card. Yes, it is. I, I love the fact that it's all contracted fighters and it's pretty, uh, you know, condensed. And we've lost some fights though, and we've yeah. lost fights over certain situations. But yeah, there's nothing you can do. Losing the Logan Storley fight, that was going to be a really good fight. Yeah. But there's a couple on there. I think Jordan Mean coming in against uh, Jason Jackson. I love both guys. They both match up really well. Jordan has got his things that he's good at. Jason has been getting better and better and, and staying long, using footwork, getting in, getting out without getting hit. Because he used to go in and just, you know, he would stay in there just trying to knock someone out. And he's gotten smarter in the way he attacks. So I think that's going to be a really good fight. You know, Aaron Pico is going to be, that's going to be a fun fight against um, Solo Hatley Jr. Because I'm telling you, man, Solo Hatley is one of the fastest human beings I've ever seen. Yeah. This dude is fast. Now, I'm not saying that Aaron Pico is not fast too. He is, but it's going to be an interesting fight. I think Aaron, you know, with all of his uh, training that he's been doing and stuff, obviously he's got the background in the wrestling that's, you know, he brings to it. but you never know what he's going to do when it comes to a fight. So it could be an interesting fight between those two. Yeah. The fight that I'm most looking forward to is the Pettis and. Ben oh, Hans of course. Fight. Yeah. And the, the, the main event's the best. Yeah, I know. It's I, generally supposed to be the best. Yeah. But my take on that fight is you have one guy. Both guys are good on the feet. But one guy is more of a traditional kickboxer. But out of Duke Rufus's gym with Pettis, he's very good on the ground. We've seen it with Emmanuel Sanchez. We see it with Anthony Pettis as well, his brother, that's getting better. But he's going up in weight. Sergio's going up in weight. And so he's been, a, he, for his first fight in Bellator, he went up to 35 and had a against our, what's his name? Kashakian. Alfred. Kashakian. Great fight. He had taken some good hard shots from Kashakian. Kashakian's big for 135. And he took him like and a dog. hits like a truck. Yes. And he took him like nobody's business. This fight's going to come down to Juan Archuleta, uh, not Juan Archuleta, but Benet has, has had fights with guys like Juan Archuleta who hit hard, who were big, who carry the weight very well. He will be longer than Pettis. Yep. And he's gonna, I think he's going to be faster than Pettis. He's going to be able to. No. I think so. I think the length. No. Of, I think the length and the range. You have lost your mind. No, I think that. I think <laughs> if he. I, look, I don't mean we're, ahead, we're splitting hairs. We're splitting hairs on like it's going to be close, but I think the length's going to keep him out of range a little bit. Length, length, and timing. Yeah. Can create the speed that will equal. 
I don't think he's as fast physically. I think if they had a fast twitch, you know, test, Pettis has got the quicker movement, the quicker reactions, but that length and being able to have to, if you're Pettis, come into that length to try to yeah. get to your distance so you can do your damage. If Van Dehaus can use that length and timing as he's coming in, be a very long night for Sergio Pettis. We've just seen, though, it, it, we'll know where Pettis is at in the ranking system once this fight happens out. Because Ben Dehaus, with the big win that he had against Franz Lamont, uh, Malambo, Malambo. In, yeah, in, uh, in Ireland, his last fight, um, he was taking some clean shots. He had a stomach bug over the night. I was talking to King Mo, and King Mo was like, you don't get it. He was on the shitter like all night. Basically got no sleep, came in, and... Had it, it was having a kind of a shitty performance his first round and was able to catch. And then Malambo caught his kick, hit him with a couple of three or four shots, dropped him while he had the leg in the air, jumped on top, hammer fisted, referee stoppage. But it wasn't looking good for him in that up until that moment. Yep. The thing with him, though, is I went back and watched some of his other fights. He fights well going backwards and he fights well when he keeps his chin down and he sticks and moves. When he gets into brawls is not when he fights well. He needs to. No, his keep, chin starts to rise. It just gets higher and higher. When he also <laughs> too, when he backs up, sometimes he puts his chin in the air. He cannot do that with Pettis. So this fight to me, because I'm a huge Bendejas fan, and I like Sergio as well, but I would like to see exactly where Bendejas is because that puts me kind of in. A, it, it puts me as working with all the guys from the UK. It lets me know where everybody is kind of ranked at in my mind. For me as a commentator and as an analyst, I would like to know like, hey. Where's Pettis at in this whole talk in this organization coming in from, you know, the UFC and coming in and having a great opening uh, debut performance in Bellator. So it would like, I would like to know where he's at. I mean, obviously I'm going to put him up there at the top regardless, but he's got, he's got a tough task in front of him because Mendejas has proved against Juan Archuleta. He can stuff takedowns, even though he got taken down quite a bit, but he was able to get up a couple times. He's wire. He reminds me a little bit of Mike Swick. That long, lengthy, we were just talking about this yeah. earlier, and we're going to talk about him again later. But he has that wiry, lengthy kind of style. You know, Swick used to punch with his chin fucking way up in the air. You know, it was just the speed and the length that Swick was able to get away with it. And the same thing with Ricky. Ricky's got, he's super fast. That fast twitch, spastic almost. I, I, don't, I hope he doesn't take that the wrong way. But it's, when, when Franz caught his leg, he hit him like two or three times, boom, boom, yeah. and he went down. And then he hammer fisted him probably three or four times before the ref oh, no, even get close. Oh no, three or four. Yeah, dude, it's only so, about seven or eight. So for me, this puts—I I think it just puts—it uh, puts—it lets me know, it puts it in perspective where Ricky will be at, as well as some of the other guys he's fought. I don't know it's the MMA math, but and I'm throwing a lot at you guys right now, but it kind of puts—it helps me figure out where these guys are ranked at because the top two guys you have at 135. There's Patchy Mix and there's Juan Archuleta and you can intertwine them any way you want, you know, and uh, I know that, that fight is supposed to be happening soon, hopefully, you know, within the next, you know, couple months, but uh, that fight was supposed to be happening. But then where does the next, where does the next echelon of guys come from? You've got James Gallagher, you've got Ricky Bendejas, you've got, now you've got Sergio Pettis. What, who are the, what other guys are in that mix? And this, I think, kind of puts... This will put into perspective where Sergio fits into that mix of guys. Hey, you still have several guys that have been in Bellator. You got, you know, Eduardo Dantas. Yeah. At 135, he's still a handful, man. Yeah. He is long. He's good everywhere. He just needs to get that confidence back. He's had a couple of setbacks. 
And so the confidence factor is, you know, something you always have to work on. Leandro Higo. Yeah. He's got his confidence now. He's fighting well. And he's, you know, he's with the Pitbull brothers. He calls himself a Pitbull as far as his nickname. And he is a Pitbull. He goes after it. Now yeah. he's had a big loss against Aaron Pico because he got into a brawl and he took one on the chin. Pico has power. And so that was a big loss for him. But he's still a guy that you can look and say, he's down in the 135s now. He's not at 145 where he fought Pico. He's a handful and he's fast and he yeah. is tough. So you've got that. But the one thing I look at with Pettis, if you go back and you watch his fight with Alfred Kashakian, the thing that really sets the tone, watch his head movement every time Kashakian tried to throw his right hand. Little tiny two-inch movements each way, everything sliding by. And as he's moving and that thing's sliding by, he's stepping forward and he's landing the shots. If he's able to do that against Bandejas, he will get the same result he had with Alfred Kashakia. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can see I can see a lot of I can see a lot of ways Pettis winning the fight. I just Ricky's one of those guys I just don't want to ever count out because he finds ways no, to win. He finds it a, he makes it a scrappy fight. Like I honestly thought when he fought Juan Archuleta, I was like, ooh, that's a really, really tough fight. And it was a tough fight. But it wasn't like he got dismantled in every area. He just got out-wrestled in certain areas. He was able to yeah. get back up, and he had positions where he just wasn't ever really to, to mount an offense. And he, was, he had moments, but it wasn't enough to get him the round. Yeah, the big difference in that Archuleta fight was experience. Yeah, Archuleta had the experience in the fight where even when he was having difficulties at the time, he knew how to work himself past it where Bandejas didn't have quite enough to deal with everything that was coming his way. And it was taking him a little bit of time to figure out how to deal with something. And that time is ticking by. And as it's ticking by, he's not being offensive and he's losing a round that he's not really getting beat bad in, but he's losing the round. And yeah. so he lost a decision. And that just comes with experience. I'm also looking forward to, like you brought up as well, as the Jordan Mean and Jason Jackson fight. Oh, that's a good one. Jason's, that's a good matchup, just yeah, style-wise. Yep, yeah, style-wise. I mean, I can see the two of them just standing in front of each other and saying, hey, let's figure this out. Let's give the crowd <laughs> something they want to see. And those are the fights that, that you know, fans learn. That's how you end up becoming a fan of a fighter. It's like, okay, yep. this guy was throwing down and getting after it. And the two of them have been known to do that. And... um there's still a lot of controversy around, you know, uh, Jason Jackson, whether he beat Ed Ruth or not, like there was, yeah. talk, you know, but I'm saying simply saying like, that's kind of what catapulted him into these positions he's in now because he had such a great performance against someone like Ed Ruth. And yeah, um, and then you figure when he took that fight in Hawaii against Kunamoto in, in what, 10 days notice? That, I want to say six. Yeah, six, something like he that. He flew right out and, you know, made weight and put on a performance. You look and you go, man. For a guy that was not training for that fight, he fought beautifully. Yep. Sometimes I think I think fighters a lot of the time we overtrain. It's possible. <laughs> you don't say. And you then uh say. yeah. I mean, he looked great in that fight. He looked amazing. All right. Well, He's really let's, doing good. Let's talk about the UFC. It's gonna be fun. What do you think? Oh, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you. Joe Benavides, you got touched bad in the last fight. And I'm not saying, you know, anything about the headbutt or anything like that, the cause, but that that was something that he was using as his excuse. Right? And everyone's going to try to find the excuse. I'm not saying he's using it saying, oh, you know, that that should have been you know caught or anything like that. But 
he used to say that hurt me and it can and you of all people know that right yeah yeah and so and i of all people know you can miss those things but <laughs> yeah. it's i thought he was coming back too soon to fight the same guy coming off of a knockout and it's just my opinion is when you get knocked out and you take trauma to the brain it takes time for you to come back and make it to where you don't just get touched which he just got touched not bad in that first shot but went down yeah and that's because you know what he did not recover from that first knockout a couple of months ago and he wasn't in a position that he should have been training and fighting without recovering this is a this is it's something that fighters do and I, you try to tell them hey the brain is the most important thing you have i it's if you broke your leg you would you would take the time off but because you broke your brain getting knocked out you're not going to take the time off you have to take the time off and yeah. this fight just you know it just epitomized it the entire way i I thought Joe was going to get, you know, beat in it. And I thought he was going to get beat pretty easily. Yeah. I didn't think he was going to get handled as badly as he did. Yeah. It was just, you know, that was a, if that, if, if Figueroa didn't get the finish, that's a 10, seven round. Yeah. Okay. That's a dominating, just overwhelming round. He knocked him down three times. He had him in. You know, submission holds, and I'll get you. Know, look how tough Joe was getting out of those first mm-hmm. ones because some of them were tight. But man, you know, coming back too soon, I feel bad for Joe. I really do because he's a good guy. And yes. He's a good fighter, man. He's a great fighter. And I just, in this situation, he's fighting a guy's got heavy hands. He got touched. Give it more time. Let him. Let him fight somebody else. And if he wins the title, then come back and rematch him. Great. But you've got to do the things that are going to give you the best opportunity to be successful when you step in the cage. And I didn't think that was done by setting him up in this fight this fast. Well, I very rarely have to give the UFC uh, a nod. But the reason why they're doing it is because they have a they, they're a big fan of Joe. The UFC loves Joe. Joe's a great guy. You've said it yourself right now. And we all know that he's a great guy. He's a phenomenal yeah. person. Um and everybody that's ever been around him, his his personality is contagious. He's someone that is just fun to be around. He's a great person. You can see from the inside out, he's a great person. Um, to touch on your the head trauma, I can tell from tell you guys from personal experience. I had got dropped one time in training towards the end of my career, and it just was a snowball effect. It felt like every time after that, I started getting touched. Um, it was like I got didn't get it got stung. It was like, I didn't get dropped all the time, but I got stung. It was like, I saw flashing lights like you do when you take a clean, hard shot in a real fight, not just in sparring with 16 ounce gloves. So the common mistake for fighters is to do this is, okay, I got sat to my butt, but I wasn't out. So I'll keep training. The biggest mistake I'm going to, I'm just, I've talked to several uh, doctors, brain doctors, neuro- neurologists. I've talked to several of them after the fact, obviously, and I, I wish I could do it all over again differently. Uh, but then I'd be, I wouldn't be where I am right now trying to give you guys this advice. This is the problem is, is your brain needs time to fully recover. And what I mean by that is you need to make sure that your body never stops never, your body doesn't overheat. 
because that that makes your brain overheat and that keeps your brain from recovering. So if you continue to keep sparring, you continue to keep running sprints, you continue, to, it doesn't matter if you're getting hit in the head. It matters that if your body temperature starts to rise and your brain starts to get too hot, that's, that keeps your brain from recovering. And so what happens is guys, after they get dropped, sit to their butt, whatever it is, they keep training like no big deal. And then it continues, continuously comes back over and over and over again. And then every shot you take after that is more brain damage and more brain damage. And like an idiot, I kept training and this was towards the end of my career. So I obviously, I started noticing as I started fighting more that I was, every time I got hit, it was like, I was a step behind every time I got hit. I just started getting slower and slower because my reaction time, my brain wasn't processing the things that were going on. I say, throw a jab, put my hand up. It wasn't processing it fast, fast enough to block things. And so once you get dropped in training, fighters, young fighters specifically, once you get dropped in training, stop training. Don't do anything that's going to cause your, but don't sit in a sauna. Don't get in a hot oh. tub. Don't do any of the things that's going to cause your body to overheat. They, I was even told by the doctor, don't even read a book. That's it. Don't. He said, don't do, nothing. Don't, don't do your bills. Have no. somebody else sit down and do the mathematics for it. Yep. Anything that taxes your brain yeah. at that time is not good for it. And it, it reduces the healing pattern that is necessary for you to come back and be the exact person you were. You know, I, I just feel bad for Joe. I really do. I, and you, you're right. The UFC loves Joe and they gave him this shot. But sometimes you got to do those things, you know, like we were talking about Yuri Proveska when he was offered a contract yeah. with the UFC and he turned it down and he fought other places because I'm not ready for that. Yeah. And it's hard if you're getting a, you know, a championship spot. I know it's hard for Joe to say no, but damn, it was the right thing to do because if he could have gotten some more time, I do think he would have at least put on a better performance because he wouldn't have been hurt by some of the things that he was getting hurt by tonight. Yeah. Um, I guess now let's get, to the, let's get to the real point. The real point is where do you go from here? I mean, my personal opinion is he does. He either, you know, you're not going to be champion. It's not going to happen. Like it's it, you're you hear a step slower. The the size of these guys is getting so much bigger. I got to tell you, like from the time I fought, you know, Eve's Edwards and Hermes Franca and those guys, we were considered. You hear if you go back and listen to Joe um, Joe Rogan's commentary, he's like Josh Thompson's so big. Eve's a big guy too, <laughs> but these guys are enormous for one fifty five, and we were. But you look at the guys now. I know. Fuck no. <laughs> These guys are enormous. I mean, just way bigger. And so where does he go? Because I feel like he's kind of in that echelon of like where myself and Uriah and those guys were, where we were, you know, you had your moments, you had your time, your time is coming to a close. And I'm not saying he should retire now, maybe fight one or two more times if he wants, but you know, the title shit is pretty much it's done. I, I can't see them. They're already debating whether they want to keep the division. You know, I'm sure they crown a champion tonight, but we've seen in the past, they don't care. They'll, they can do it. They'll, they'll do what they, they want. Take it away. Every promotion will. They, they, you know, they'll take it away and they'll do what they want. And if the it's promotional not, belt. Yeah, if it's not making it. got to be honest. If it's not making them money, if the promotion is more of a hassle and costing them more money than, to upkeep, then there's no reason for them to keep it. And um, I just, I, I would, I get what he, I, I've said this, multi, we've said this together multiple times. You got to figure out what you're in it for. Are you in it to be the champion? Because if that's what you're in it for, then it's not going to happen. 
I just don't see it happening. And so there's no reason for you to keep fighting. If you're in it to just make money, have at it. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, um, I would still tune in to watch him fight because I'm a big Joe fan. But I just think that the the, the double back to back losses puts him in a position where it won't really he won't really get back to the title for two years. And I don't know how old he is, but I would imagine he's pushing 36, 37, somewhere in there. Not even he's not gonna even get back in two years' time. Yeah. He, even with them liking him, there's too many other young guys that are there. And it is like what you know you gotta say, do I wanna be the the guy who's the gatekeeper? No. You know, and that's really the question that you have. If you're in the position right now, you're not going to be the guy that's fighting to establish himself to be the contender, to be the number one, to go after the champion. You're going to be, they're going to be giving you guys who they're really going to be putting against you to measure where they're at compared to yeah. measuring and seeing where you're at. And that's never a good spot in the fight game. It just is not, you know, I know too many guys that have been in that position and it's sad to see. It really is. And now, this is not saying that Joe cannot still compete yep. and beat really good fighters. He can. But where he's at, the traje trajectory of his career and the position he's in, especially after that loss, I don't see him getting that title shot. I don't see it ever happening again, especially you, you can't put him against Figueroa. How are you going to put his dude? He's been knocked out twice by him. Yep. And no. that, that one round here, dude, you can't ask for someone to get beat in a championship fight worse. Yeah. I'm just being honest, you know, and that's, I'm, I, I hate to say that because I love Joe and I'm, I don't want to hurt his feelings, but it wasn't even competitive. No, Josh. I no, I know. It wasn't even competitive. It's not even close. Yeah. You know, and, and he took some major shots in that round. He took a lot of damage. And the only thing that, that was kind of holding Figueroa back was his arms got tired. Yeah. Got a little heavy. Kept trying from to choke the him from the chokes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we, we've talked about it over and over. You just, you, you got to figure out what you want to do with your life and your career. And from, from personal experience, I just had a better idea of what I was in it for. My idea was like, if you can't be the champion, then don't, there's no reason for you to do it. And like you said, you, for guys like Joe and other guys that are, have been at the top, they never want to have that gate, gatekeeper no. mentality. I can't imagine Tough. him sticking around very long. I could see maybe a fight or two to keep himself like, hey, at least I finished my career with a win. I can see okay. that. But it's always hard to walk away on a win because you're like, I can do one yeah, more. Yeah, because I can do it again. Yep. And then, you know, and, but then that's the whole talk in the conversation. Like, well, you know, I got to go, I got to go out on a win. Then you fight and you get the win. Well, I can do one more. That's the problem. So from my own experience, it's like, you know what? You just realize it's not time. It's not your, your time has come and gone and it's okay. We've heard, I've, I've for years have seen, you know, NFL commentators talk about quarterbacks that way. Dan Marino, like he was never going to get back to a championship. You know I mean? You have guys that just are never going to get back there. It doesn't matter how fucking good you were in every record you set and every other thing you did, you know, um, Peyton Manning, same thing. It doesn't matter all those things. Okay. Everyone, father time's undefeated and everyone has their moment and their time. And I feel like his is coming to a close. Like you said, it doesn't mean we're not sitting here saying that he can't win a fight. He, no, I, think, I think he can still be absolutely number, he'll still be still number two stud. and still number three. He's still a stud fighter. Yeah. I just don't think he's going to get back to a title shot. I don't either. And I feel bad for him. I All really right, do. let's get into who impressed you the most because I think you and I are on the same page. 
Oh, there's no doubt who impressed me the most. He says. I can't say his name correctly, Aziz. but it's Raphael Fadiz. Is it is it Raphael or is it Raphael or is it Rafael? He's from Kyrgyzstan or something like that, right? Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, well, okay. You said it better than I can. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I said it right. Either. Um, He was fantastic. Wow. Because I, I really like Mark. And Mark is a tough, tough dude. That That is a crazy Brit. And man, he he took some shots. Some of the body kicks that he took, I was sitting in my chair going, oh, yeah. and I was, I was kind of rubbing my side going, that hurt, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> if you've ever been hit like that, you know, oh, that, that sucked, you know, but it was just the way that he went about attacking. It was the combinations he threw, the way he threw the combinations. You know, misses with the hook, out, and when when he does the spinning back fist, it just touched. You know, it barely grazed, but it was the fact that he did it that way, and that he's always looking for multiples. He was never looking for ones. He was going for twos, threes, fours, and fives, and it's always when you got a guy going after those three, four, and fives, those are the ones that hit you and hurt you. Yeah, you can sometimes get that one. You block it. Two, you've got maybe three, but four and five. All of a sudden, they're touching you, and you get a guy that's throwing those kind of combinations with the ferocity that that guy was throwing things with. I'm a fan. I loved him. Yeah, I was very impressed. <clears throat> Sorry, I was extremely impressed with everything he did. Defensively, he was very rarely getting touched until the last like two minutes of the fight. He, he got started. Tired. Getting, yeah, he started getting a little bit tired, but throughout the first two rounds. He was very defensive. Even when he threw his kicks, his hands were up. There was never a moment like where a lot of us, for a lot of fighters, they'll like throw their arm back behind their back or to the side and the other hand will stay up or sometimes down and you can get countered. The whole time, even with all the power he had, he was throwing his kicks with his hands up. Boom, came right back. Defensively, I was very impressed. Everything he did, he put it like you said, exactly what I was thinking. He put everything together in combinations. Yep. So when... um. How do you say his last name? Dikes, Dikes, Dikes. Oh, Mark Dikesi. Dikes, Dikesi, Dikesi. So he, um, yeah, we're we're figuring it out. And we suck it. He would. (laughs) See now, I'm afraid to butcher his name. Mark. (laughs) Okay, so Mark. Mark would throw a punch or a kick, and now Faziz. Now, now I'm all you've got me all messed up now. Raphael. So Raphael would he would cover counter with like a right hand and then an inside leg kick, come back with a right hand and then a body kick. I was just like, what in the? F-? And he was putting it together so well, where Mark couldn't had nothing to do. He there was nothing he could do. He just tried to to get back, and he was still throwing. Some guys sometimes when people back away too much or too fast, the the person being offensive will stop throwing. He yeah. still threw it and it just grazed just enough. It was enough to let them know that, hey, I'm still going to come after you and still land a little bit. Even if it's just grazing you, I'm still doing a little bit of damage. I was very, I couldn't, I couldn't have picked, I think, when I, when that fight came out, I was thinking to myself, well, I've never seen this guy fight. I've seen Mark fight. I've never seen Rafael fight. But man, within the first minute and a half, I was like, who is this guy? This is crazy. Oh. Yeah, and then yep. like like you you and I were talking about off air. 
He had good grappling. He had good ground. You know, he had good control, good position. Now, I'm not saying he's going to end up going against, you know, a top jiu-jitsu guy and, and looking just no. as good as he did today. But he but looked. you can see he's yeah, been working it. Exactly. And he looked and pretty he's not. He's not afraid to be in those positions. No, it was very. I was very impressed with everything about him. So I'm excited to see who they match him up with next. I didn't realize that Mark was at 155. I thought he was at 45. Did he ever fight at 45? Or was I? Or am I thinking of someone else? Might have fought at 45. <sighs> no, I thought maybe he fought at 45. But anyways, this fight was at 55. So I'm interested yep. to see um, who they have lined up for Rafael or Rafael or whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, off the top of my head, he's ready to be in that top echelon of guys of, say, like 12 and 13, 14. You know, I mean, that's that's a nasty. He's got some nasty combinations, some big power. And he threw everything with heat throughout the whole fight. So I'd like to see what's next for him. He looked good. Uh, what else? Who else was on my card? He was impressive. Well, you had Hermanson against Gastelum. That was unexpected by a lot oh, of people. Yeah. But Hermanson, look at Come on, man. Take a look at the guys that he's been submitting. All right. He submitted freaking David Branch. Before yeah. that, he submitted freaking uh, Gerard Mershery. I can't say his name either. But out of uh, Mershart, who is a dynamite grappler. All right, that guy's got great ground skills. So Branch is a black belt out of uh, Henzo Gracie's, and he's got really good ground skills. Submitted both of them. He's almost submitted Jacare with a guillotine when he fought him. All right, ends up winning a decision, and then he gets, you know, a heel hook on Gasolum. That was after Gasolum did a beautiful lateral drop, but, you know, all of it. You look and you go, man, this guy is unpredictable. He's got heavy hands. He freaking will go after submissions when they're there. He doesn't hesitate. He's fun to watch. The fight before this, he lost one to Jared Cannonier. You know, and you can't say anything bad about that because Cannonier's got bombs in his hands. He can hurt anybody, but the guy is a someone you're gonna have to watch in the middleweight division because he can cause problems for anybody. It was a great win because I think that Kevin Kelvin Gastelum is a dynamite fighter. Yep. I, uh, I've always said he's my Roberto Duran of MMA. I love watching him fight. Uh, he never gives in. And, man, he tapped him. And I haven't seen anybody tapping uh, Kelvin like that. So, nice job. He's a tweener, though. That's what concerns me. He's when no, he get, no doubt a tweener. He's a tweener. He, if there was a 175-pound weight class, he'd be probably the champion of that weight class. I'm not taking anything away from Usman and those guys. But I feel like Kevin Gaston will be the champ at 175. Unless there's someone else comes along. But, I mean, but I have a question. Why do you think he tried to take, why do you think he did take him down? I mean, he stood with Izzy pretty much the whole fight. Why would you take him down knowing you can stand and bang and do, and I'm not saying you should stand and bang, but I'm saying you could have made it a dog fight. He could have, I don't understand. He got the takedown. It was, maybe he saw something in Hermanson that he thought he could exploit in camp and, or I, I don't know, but it was ultimately it, it was the, the beginning of the end once he got the takedown because i mean once he threw that leg over the top and was able to hit work on that leg gaslam had no defense for it and it wasn't very good defense i mean he really wasn't even pushing he wasn't pushing off the ass he just yep. was trying to turn and flee but his knee was still bent i mean it just it was i think just one of those mistakes i don't know how how often he sees that type of positioning in in training you know i don't think a lot of guys are attacking ankle locks and leg locks in training a whole lot these days you know, you know I, mean, I don't know. You, you take a look at Kelvin's background and, you know, 
he came out, you know, he's a purple belt, and then went to the 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. He trains at King's MMA. You, can, you know, and you got guys like, you know, Fabricio Verdum there. He's got a lot of good people to roll with, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, Dan, uh, Daniil Berry-Rouche, you know, he's a dynamite grappler too. He's yeah. got guys that are really good grapplers that he's rolling with. I just think he made a mistake. You make a mistake, yeah, you can get stuck. And if someone's cranking a, in a heel hook, it only takes so much before the knee pops. So. Let, like I said, I was going to talk about him again. Was be Mike Swick. Mike Swick had one of those things that in training it, it didn't work a whole lot on us. I mean, sure it was tight, it, you know, it sucked, but it, he ended up basically naming it called the Swickatine, and it, it worked for him in the UFC all day long. Oh you yeah, know? multiple times. Yeah, and a lot of us in training. I mean, it was like sure he would put it on, especially when he first started doing it. We would, you know, we learned how to defend it real quick, but he never really got it on us as time went on throughout our careers. But man, when he stepped in that cage, that shit was on quick and it was tight and people were getting to sleep. <laughs> it was real fast. Yeah. But Hermison reminds me of Swick a little bit. He seems like he has that long, lanky, wiry strength. The type of strength that like when something gets put on, you can't escape because they're so, everything hurts. Like Swick would grab your neck or Swick would grab an ankle lock or something. And he was so bony. That it would, and, and it's like that wiry boniness, like that strength that he had, especially when he was fighting at 170. Everything just, it hurt. Like if his elbow slipped and touched your face or your shoulder or whatever it was, it's like, oh, gosh, this is, is disgusting. But it, that's kind of that feeling. I, I, I get that, feel, that feeling and that vibe because Hermerson's so lean and kind of shredded and ripped that he just has that feeling of like when he grabs something, that there's not a whole lot of leeway or mis time or for you to escape and move and pull out because it's just clamped down on you. Uh, physical muscle doesn't really mean a whole lot. It's just the position of it all. And I, I felt like once he got that through that leg over and he was able to capture that ankle, there was no way that Gaslam was getting out. I and mean, he wasn't using the proper defense regardless, but no. but it was just the, the position the that other, he was in. The other part was he's dry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. wasn't sweaty at the time if he was sweaty maybe it would have slipped out when you're dry you know and most people you know we start sweating from the head down and everything those ankles yeah they stay dry pretty long throughout you know most of the first round and second round the your legs start yeah having some you know dripping going down there so it gets a little slippery but first round man you, you get that thing stuck in there it's stuck yeah where does Kelvin go from here Man, that's a tough one. It really is because, man, he can beat anybody. Yeah. He really can. He can fight with anybody. But it takes a specific matchup, and it's like you're saying. He's that tweener guy. He's, you know, he's built like a burrito, you know, and I'm, he's round. You know, he's, he's barrel-chested. Yeah. You know, and he's thick, and it's not like, you know, it's, he doesn't have, you know, the Greek body you know of muscle that you'll see in some guys he doesn't have the lean you know musculature of like a hermanson or an adesanya or yeah. someone with that length and everything because he's shorter you know he's just he's he's barrel like yeah. and so you look and you go man he's just uh he's he needs that other weight class i agree with you i think that other weight class you know and, and part of it is i i don't know what kelvin's you know nutritional yeah you know guidelines are but <laughs> probably like podcast days <laughs> you can always work your way towards something if you want to do it yeah you know and you know it's, it's a it's a rough one it's uh he's that guy that man he could be he can beat anybody man he really can and 
he's fast you know people don't think you know he is when they're looking at him because they think he's kind of soft and but he's fast he moves well he's a great fighter i just i love the guy yeah here's here's a little bit just off the top of my head this is what i'm thinking he's a guy that fought for the title and comes back he just he fought before COVID, right and got a win or am i mistaken no he's not won his last three fights okay so then okay so then Okay, so he ended up. Who did he lose to before this? Darren Till. Okay, so Darren Till. That's right. So, um, I guess to get it back into the the title talk, is he win? He loses to Izzy. It's almost as a fighter, the confidence drops a little bit, but it's not even so much that. Is fighters tend to start thinking like, what do I have to do to like make? I have to change everything or something to make myself better. No, no. And I no. feel like he's battling a little bit with that. Like it might be. Yeah, you stand and bang with someone like Izzy, and you fucking fight of the year candidate. You know, if not if not fight of the year, and and now you're like you're going out there right away and taking guys down. I mean, like from tonight, I just I don't know. I I feel like he's more in his own head right now, and then dropping three straight. You're saying three straight. It's a lot to handle, man. I got to tell you, it's a yeah, lot. It is. I had never lost uh, two in a row, <laughs> and then I did, and then that two turned to three real quick, and that was at the end of my career. And it was just like you start questioning whether you want to do this anymore. So I think he just needs to get out of his own way because I think physically, and with his technique and his his heart and his and his brain, man, he's fucking nasty good. I he think is. right now, I think right now he's in his own head and the confidence. And we've said this thousands and thousands of times that confidence is everything in any sport, but especially in combat sports. If you can't get out of your own way, you're never going to be the champ and you're never going to get back to that top. And I think he can do it. There's no doubt in my mind he can do it. It's unfortunate, though, that there's not a 175 pound weight class because he is that tweener. And I would love to see a fight between him and Usman or him and Colby Covington or him and whoever else decides to stay at that weight. You know, I mean, him and Woodley, th- these fights would be fucking amazing. Because I'd like to see him be finally the, a little bit of the bigger guy. Yeah. So. Uh, he's He's got the ability to fight, like I said, with anyone. But you know, and you can take a look. His fight with Till, he just was off. He's just a little bit slower. Just didn't, not a good, you know, fight plan for a guy of Till's length and everything. And just had problems with him. And, and that can happen when you're facing those guys, you know. All the guys you're looking at in the middleweight division, his last run of guys, be it from Adesanya to Till to now Hermanson, they're all built very similar. All tall, all pretty lean, you know, very good stand-up. But, you know, all he's got to do is go out, take some time off, go back to training, train the way you know you can, and just come back in your next fight and believe because you are great. But that's my point is you're going to stand for five rounds with Izzy. Then you're going to fight Darren Till, who has been shown he can be knocked out. And you go out there and just don't have a good performance. It may become because you're coming off the loss. The confidence isn't what it is. But then you go out there and you fight Hermanson. And now you're trying to change up what you've what was successful to you getting you to the title shot against Izzy. I don't understand why you would question anything that you have been doing or changing the way you fight at all. Given the fact that you just stood toe to toe for five rounds with the best guy in 185 in the UFC, not only not only the best guy at 185, but the guy that was a you know basically a world champion in kickboxing, also yeah, you know, just incredible stand up skills. 
And you stood with him that entire time. You know, the, yeah. the fifth round, he took some shots. Yeah. But other than that, man, that was a close fight and a tough fight for both guys. Just, Gasolum yeah. gave more damage to Izzy in that fight than he's received in all of his other fights put together. So that goes back to my, why would you change or do anything different in your next two fights knowing that, shit, I just stood with the guy who won the title and all I got to do is win. And you know that Darren Till can be knocked out. You know that you can beat Hermiston on the feet because he's not anywhere. He is good on the feet, but he's not as good as Izzy on the feet or you wouldn't think, you no. know? So I, why? I just don't know why. Why? Just do what you were doing in the, you, it was working for you. Sure, maybe you came up a little bit short, but fuck your fight of the year candidate. Like, that's how good that fucking fight was. And now Mark, you're changing. Mark Goddard was the referee of that fight, and he will tell you that's the greatest fight that he's ever ref. Oh, I don't doubt it. I don't Those doubt it. I mean, yeah. do, you, do you refs talk about like what, I mean, obviously you do talk about like which fights were the best ones, but like, do you guys talk about like, man, I, I'm waiting for that one fight that I get to have? You know that like that that's gonna be the greatest fight. Are you don't you guys no. don't think about it like that? No. Yeah. At least I never did. I was. I, I, I always looked and I was always very uh, appreciative for what I had been able to take part in, yeah. and just whatever came came. But I I never worried about it. I'm gonna toot my own horn for two seconds. Okay. Let's like hear it. Like I normally do. Like we've never heard it before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is um, Ariel Hawani did an interview with uh, Mike Beltran. And they had talked about, like he said, you know, what was the most memorable fight? And so he just so happened to say mine with Nate. And I was like, oh, thank you. I was very, very thankful. I was very appreciative. Here, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you a little background uh -oh. in that fight. Uh -oh. oh, you're, you're going to love this because this is. Have you, you know, never told first, me this? I don't, I don't know if I have. Okay, but, let's go. Uh, you know, Mike, Mike is a, he's a, a friend of mine, obviously. And, you know, I, I've helped Mike along the way in his career as a referee, and he's a fantastic guy. And I Amazing. Love him. I love him as a human being. Yes. Because he's a loyal, honest, hardworking, tell you like it is guy. Now, he's got Extremely respectful. Absolutely. I love it. You know? And uh, so that was that particular UFC. He had been to, he had been to the UFCs, and he had, he had worked as a judge. You know, but he had never gotten a main card fight in a UFC. And you know, like anything, it's as a fighter or as an official, you know, as you step up, there's more pressure. You know, there's just more pressure yeah. to perform and to do things right and to be right. And so, you know, Mike has always been a guy that you'll see him here. You know, he puts his hands together, you know, like this before, you know, trust me, he's taking a, dig, a big breath because that's just part of what relaxes him and stuff. But, before your fight, you know, I've always screwed with Mike. You know, and I do things trying to loosen somebody up, to take the pressure off of them. I'll, I'll kind of create something for them. And so before your fight, you know, he's, you know, he goes, you know, he says, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you have, any, you have anything you, you know, you should tell me on this. Right. And I said, yeah, Mike, I do. And this is, you guys are walking out now and he's just walking into the thing, walking into the octagon. And I said, I do have something to tell you. And he goes, well, yeah, what, what is it? What is it? I said, Mike, don't fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> he looks at me he gives me because he's got these crystal blue eyes right and he looks at me like are you shitting me you know, and, I, and i go i go mike just go do what you can do man you're oh, gonna do man. you're gonna do great right and he, he walks away okay and then you had the you know the sequence and it was you know he he comes out of that fight and he you know right away he's asking questions because there's the you know a fight ending sequence where when you kick nate 
Mm-hmm. You know, he gave Nate a lot of time, yeah. but it was proper time. All right. Nate was trying to respond. And when someone is trying to respond, even if they're taking damage, you got to let it go because they're trying to do the right response. They're trying to either get themselves out. They're trying to take away something, you know, so you can't hit them with it. It doesn't always work. And we're going to end up stopping the fight. And he, you know, he comes in and he stops the fight just as the time that Nick Diaz is throwing the towel over the fence to stop the fight. And, you know, he comes out, right? And I go, well, how you feel? Right? He goes, oh, shit, man. I'll tell you what. I love that, but that was so goddamn scary. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, Mike, you did a great job. You know, and Mike, Mike Beltran has only progressed, and he's an even better referee today than he was that day. Yeah. And uh, it's all because he works really hard at his craft. Yeah, I don't know why, but I, for some reason, thought he had refed a bunch of times in the UFC. At yeah. the time, yeah. So, and I had heard in here's, the Here's the truth. You want the truth? Huh. They don't like his mustache. Shut so, up. Oh, well, that's why you don't see Mike Beltran traveling around with the UFC most of the time. In fact, now they make him tuck it in. Okay? Because they don't like it. They think so he's trying sad. to he's trying to bring attention to himself, which he's not. All right? Yeah, look, I've had major discussions with Mike. And, and at one time I told him, hey, you know, because I had talked to people in the UFC and, I, and they had told me, hey, man, tell him to get rid of the mustache. We would love to use him in Mexico. He speaks Spanish. He's a, you know. So I, tr- I tried to talk to him. I said, hey, it's facial hair, dude. Just, you know what? Cut it off and let them get to know you. And then, you know, you can grow it back. And he looked, you know, he's talking to me. He says, that ain't fucking happening, John. Yeah. Right? And I said, Mike, it's facial hair. He goes, no one's going to, he goes, I'm a grown ass man. No one's telling me how I can look. Yeah. Right. And I said, you know what? You're right. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you to ever do that again. So, well, I've told you, that's really the reason. I've told you multiple times to dye your gray hair on your chin. You just don't listen to me. That's right. You do. (laughs) You just, you keep letting me there. I'm an old man. It's okay. (laughs) I said, John, you have a beautiful face, man. You don't have as many wrinkles as 75 year olds. Dye the hair. But you got to understand, I have given out so much shit to my friends and to colleagues about dyeing their hair over time that. I can't do it now, see, because I would just be looking like a you know, a hypocrite, man. You know, I can sit there and make fun of them, but I'm going to die. Nope, ain't going to happen. They would love to call this. I have everyone think I'd die with the hair on top of my head. That's what it's like. Well, if I freaking died that, I would die this. You know? Yeah. How are you going to look next week for Bellator? Are you going to have a goatee or are you going to be clean shaven? Oh, no. he, always, he always has a goatee. Oh, but he's got more than a goatee right now. No, I it's, got a beard. It's yeah, what I've had. He's always had this. He's always been this. You one. should go with tea this time. No, John, sorry, man. <clears throat> clean shaven. You need to ask John. I always go peach fuzz up until the day of the fight, and then I shave. He always, he man, and he, and he, dude, he has spent money. Yes, I mean good money to yeah. get that thing done professionally and trimmed with the great line and everything. Yeah, and because he's got gray hair here too, <laughs> it comes off before the camera goes on, and I go, yeah. oh man. My You're first, crazy. my first trip to Mohegan Sun, I had like kind of a beard. Not, it was about the same length as yours at the time, and I went to this, uh, this uh, Cuban like Bar- uh, barber shop, <clears throat> and they did the hot towel and the and the and the shave. Oh, they, they they took care of you, man. The they did you right. Shit. It was awesome. I had a great time, and then I came back, but I look, I looked like a Puerto Rican <laughs> dude when I got back. They, 
They, I swear, I, I was cut so thin and fine, but I looked like, what was that, that rap? Remember the old R&B singer, John B? I looked like him. I swear, it was so bad. I mean, I, I thought it was, oh, yeah, this is cool. This is different. And I showed up to the venue and I, I it was the day before for Wayans. I walked around for one day. And was, oh, everyone kept saying, oh, I like that. I like that. And as soon as I got that much attention, I went to my room and shaved it off. <laughs> hey, that's not gonna I was like, fuck this. Those are people just trying to be nice. They're all lying. Uh, they fucking hate it. Uh, it was know. it was hilarious though. But uh it was one of those things. Yeah, I just I, I always have to be clean shaven, man. I, I don't you know, and everyone keeps telling me, like, oh, how can you wear a tie? I just I, I just have to. I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I'm wearing a suit and I'm bringing a I might as well wear a tie. I just think I feel like I know with you guys, with like you and Moro and Goldie, you guys don't. Does Goldie wear a tie? Not all the Goldie time. Goldie wears a tie. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, Jay doesn't. He never, he never wears no. a tie. But I understand Jay's got a really big ass fucking neck. I was going to say, that's because it takes, it takes a 32 to go around that Jesus, neck. Jesus, man. His neck is huge. <laughs> so, but anyways, and then Chael just, Chael's like, yeah, I'm never going to wear a tie. <laughs> he never. So if you guys can see what Chael wears underneath the desk, you guys <laughs> shorts, you know, jeans, whatever, but it's hilarious, man. Yeah, it's great. I think um that was a good story. I think thanks for telling me the story. I didn't know. I didn't know he was he was so nervous for the fight. Oh, he's totally nervous. He did a great job. Yeah. I thought he did a great job too. That's all that matters. Not just because I won though. I thought he did a great job. <laughs> no, I mean he did. He, he he went through the steps that I like you would expect someone to go through. Okay. Nate was hurt, but Nate wasn't out. And then Nate was kind of fighting back or trying to get position from the bottom when I was striking on top. It wasn't until Nate turned over and went turtle up that he stopped the fight. And if you got to think about it, it really was in line with when his corner wanted to stop the fight. Yeah. So, yeah. Perfect. Interesting. Uh, what other, the, so the main event on the prelims, I can't remember the guy's names, but that was oh a good, my God, that was a good little, uh, it was a short and fight. He, yes. You, and, and this is when, you know, when I, you try to tell people and talk to them about, calibers mm -hmm. and the difference of a punch compared to an elbow compared to a kick compared to the 50 caliber that the knee is you saw he went to throw that kick mm -hmm. the kick never landed but the knee hits and that's how much torque and velocity a knee hits with causing irreparable harm to the brain and puts you out he put that guy out yeah, and that guy was done from the moment he got hit with that knee. Basically, Dolidiz is it Dolidiz? Dolidze. Yeah. Dolidze was Dolidze. the guy that won. And then Ibragimov. Ibraginov. Ibragimov. 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 Yeah. Um, I thought Ibragimov was looking good up until then. You could tell he had the more power, but you can't stop the knee <laughs> that was supposed to really be a kick. He just stepped right into it. It looked like he was throwing a head kick, and when he stepped in, he leaned forward a little bit, and the knee collided right on the temple. It looked like just blasted him. You yeah. can see when when they showed it from the other side, you can see the reverberation of that head trauma, that shock, just and that's what happened. separates those neurons. And man, when that happens, that's when you see, as you were saying, you're seeing lights, you're seeing the flies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, but I, I think I mean, we didn't get to see a whole lot because the fight was what was only in the first round. It was forty-five seconds. Yeah, forty-five. It was, it was good though. Like I thought that. Well, how do you say his last name? Brigamoff, yeah, yeah, but I thought he looked, I thought he looked like the bigger guy, obviously. But I thought he looked, he was definitely the bigger, yeah, guy. he looked like he had some power. He was throwing some heat in those first couple combinations, and uh, it was landing. I think he got, a, I mean, it just it happens, man, it happens. But I mean, 
I'm excited to see where the two of them go. We didn't get a chance. We didn't talk about the other guy that had fought last Saturday or last Wednesday. The wolf. <clears throat> yeah, they call him the wolf. Well, how do you say his last name? Chimamez or Chimez? Chimev? Chimev, I thought. Chimev. From He's Wednesday, you mean? Yeah, yes. I mean, he had the, I think he had the Darsh choke. Dude, he had the beat down. Yeah, yeah, he beat him down and threw him like, into a dark Against a tough guy in Phillips, man. But, mm -hmm. man, he put on a performance. And this is, again, Chimay. you're seeing these guys. It's Chimeyev coming from where he comes from. Mm -hmm. You know, he's been training in different places. But these guys from, you know, the Russian blocks and, you know, Dagestan and all these guys. Dude, these dudes are good. Yeah. They're tough, man. And they got good... They've been wrestling since they were little kids and they've been stand-up striking. And some of these guys, this is what their country loves. Yeah. This is what they do. They get respect for being a fighter. So that from a young kid, they have been training. And the wolf is good. And he is yeah. going to be putting a beating on some people coming up because that wasn't even his weight class. He's normally a welterweight. He was fighting, I think, as a middleweight yes, he was. in that fight against Phillips. And you saw how easily he just handled a really good, tough guy. I think Phillips at the time is, I think he was 22 and 9. I think he's 22 and 10 now off of that. But, man, just great skill, tough as hell, and calm, calm, calm. Are we going to see the same guy, though, with the weight cut? Yeah, I think you are. You know, yeah, he's been fighting most of his time at welterweight. I've watched his fights, and he has smoked everyone that I've seen him against. The guy's good. You know, obviously, there's a guy out there that's going to match up with him well yeah. and it's going to give him more problems. But everybody, and you got to figure he does. I don't even think he's had ten fights. But you know, he's young in his career, and there's been guys that you know they've kind of you know matched him up with and trying to bring him up. But they've put him against some tough tough fighters and the way he handled phillips in that fight coming into the ufc with the pressure you wouldn't even have known that it was more than a sparring session for him yeah you know he just just the first thing that he did you watch the the setup with the kick and drops right into the takedown and from that point it was like this is yeah. no different than when i do it all the time and yeah he just progressed from there <clears throat> When people are that good, you just got to let them. They, they're just going to treat it like as if well, Khabib choose takedowns. It just comes <laughs> natural. It comes natural to them. Like it's just what I do every single day. He you just know? feels, you know, guys, guys that are that good, they feel a balance that other guys don't feel. They just mm -hmm. feel the way the weight is shifting, and sometimes that weight shift, if they try to go with it, isn't going to work, and so they'll actually put a pressure in a different way, and all of a sudden that shifts that weight off, and the, you know, takedowns coming. You know, these guys are out there and, you know, it's good to see a guy like you know, Sheminoff coming in and people get to see, hey, there's some guys out there that we haven't seen that they're oh, really yeah. good and they can put a hurting on everybody. I'm going to continue to say this, that not all the best guys are in the UFC, but oh, God. no, no, but not just that, but not all the best guys have, been, have even been discovered. That's oh, that's the thing. Right. There's that's there's guys out there that are better than everybody in the UFC, everybody in Bellator, everywhere. They just haven't been discovered yet. That's uh, there's how good a, you know, they're everywhere. Well, what's funny is, you know, I've seen Chimnock. There's another guy that goes by the wolf who's out there. I'm not going to say his name because <laughs> I don't want other people to know about him. 
but he goes by the wolf too. And he's every bit as good as what you saw wow. with Gemini. And so these guys are out there. I'm That's telling crazy. you. That's nuts to think, right? Be careful if you're <clears throat> going to fight someone with the name the wolf. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just crazy because I think about back in the in the old in the old MMA days, we would just show up at venues and everyone, yeah. everyone be like, hey, and we're sometimes not even know who you were going to fight. No, no, we didn't know. We would just everyone, exactly. everyone would say, hey, there's going to be fights at this place. Everyone would show up and everyone would step on the scale at, say, like nine, ten in the morning. And then at night they would have a match and who you would fight. And they would call you at your hotel and they'd say, Hey, I'm going to match up with this guy. There was a time, there was a time where I was, you know, I weighed in at 169 and they had called me and said, Hey, there's no one here at your weight, but we have a guy that fought your, your teammate, you know, two months ago or three months ago, Trevor Prangley. And they go, Hey, he's 200 pounds. Do you want to fight him? And I recall him and I'm like, yeah, he wasn't that good. He wasn't, it was a lot tougher for me being only one season nine, <laughs> but you know, but I, it's I still took the fight. We would just show up, weigh in, and say, and they would like, hey, there's you know, there's 150 bucks in the line. You want it or not? You know, they, 150 bucks. Yeah, of course I want that. Course. That's big money. That's a lot that's of money, money, man. When you're broke, man, I was so broke when I was young. Oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, like, and I was living in Idaho for high school, and during the time I was training, during all this stuff, and minimum wage there was only 415. So it was like you're bussing tables, doing dishes. Occasionally you got a hosting job, made a little bit more money. You know, I'm only 18 years old. It's like, you're just trying to get by and you're like 150 bucks. Shit. I only make 180 every two weeks working at this shit. <laughs> like <laughs> you're just A excited. hosting job. Yeah. You got a hosting job. I just had to walk people to their table. Exactly. <laughs> that dude. See that, you know, I never had anything, anything no. even offered like that because if you walked in a restaurant, you saw my face, you would immediately <laughs> turn around and walk out. You weren't going to make me no host. My first job, I kid you not, was at a trap and skeet range. And I lived about two and a half, three miles. I didn't have a car. I was only 12 years old. And I had to walk down there and I got paid $2.15 to work yeah an hour and i would walk down there and guess what the trap and skeet range guess what their most popular time was winter <laughs> i know <laughs> fucking pouring down snow or rain Ugh. it was horrible it was better freezing. if it's snow than rain yeah better than if snow is rain than rain but it was freezing and you're out there just holding a little like controller and they yell pull push <laughs> you push the button you're just listening to them you're taking their score and then after they're done you go down and load up the the uh the, the bird thrower and stuff again and oh man it was horrible you're there all day from and they start off shooting at like seven in the morning so here i am at 12 years old walking three miles in the snow to get there at like six in the morning to set you're everything making money up. baby yeah it was it was horrible man <laughs> It was not horrible. horrible. Well, it was, it, it, it was kind of, I mean, I have better stories. I used to work in the fields when I was really young. So when I was, when I was young, I lived with my grandparents, when my parents first got divorced and my grandparents during the summer would take me up. We'd pick apricots, prunes, and cherries, you know, during the summer and all that money, we only made 35 cents a bucket. So, you know, you get those big boxes of apricots and you, you're picking or you're cutting one of the two. And we'd, we'd make 35 cents a, a big cart. You know, my we my grandmother would cut them and she'd throw them out on the table. We'd have to pull the seed and lay it out so they could dry them. Yeah, we were out there every summer for about three, sometimes three, four weeks straight, and thirty-five cents a buck. And we'd do we'd be there all day from six in the morning until probably like four or five at night. Yeah, it was horrible. Rattlesnakes everywhere. They'd come rolling up on you as you guys were cutting apricots. <laughs> like, yeah, we had we always had dogs roaming around because they'd warn you. But yeah, it was crazy, man. Like that's hey. 
Gotta do what you gotta do to get by. It was great. That's it. Great times though. All my cousins were always there. And I have a big ass family, that Mexican side. They're huge. <laughs> There's a lot of us. A lot of us, you know. So anyways. Um, what else? There was um there was a Paige Van Zandt came out. I don't know if you guys saw this, but she came out basically saying she was disappointed in the UFC and Dana White because she thought she had a good friendship with Dana and um now she's <laughs> now she just wants to go find somewhere where she can be part I'm of the family. Sorry. I'm yeah. sorry for laughing. Yeah, so um I thought we were friends. No. And then essentially <laughs> she has said she's coming for Josh's job now. No, okay, so look, here. She here's the thing. Dana can be your friend. Okay. Oh yeah. But when it comes time to do business, Dana is a businessman. And yes. it, there's a big separation. And that's I think where fighters sometimes get their feelings hurt. Is that when it comes to business the friendship needs to be put to the side and fighters don't think that that's the same thing. And guys like Dana and Coker's very, not similar as Dana, but I'm saying that there's a business relationship when it comes to like, Hey, when we're, when we're negotiating hundreds of thousands of dollars, okay, this is business. This, our friendship needs to put, be put to the side a little bit and let's talk, let's talk man to man or whatever woman to man or whatever it is and get it sorted out. Your feelings cannot get in the way. It cannot be involved whatsoever. And I've said this, I don't know how many times is that this is why you have managers is you have managers to basically play the middle person. Now, if you think you have a relationship, like for me, I have a relationship with Scott Coker, my last contract with Bellator, I pretty much negotiated with Bob was still there, but it was like, I did it directly kind of with Scott as well with, with rich and those guys saying, Hey, I'm not trying to break the bank, you know, but I'm trying to get paid. And they knew and they understood and they went along. They said, okay, look, this is what we're willing to offer you. This is our last offer. Take it or leave it. And I'm like, oh, I'm in. You know, like you have to know what you oh, like that one. But that's the thing is you have to know what the last offer is. There shouldn't be this back and forth. And what the UFC has always done is they said, look, this is what our, what our brackets are. If you're in this position of say, you're the top five guy, this is what we'll pay you. We don't go beyond that. And, and they will occasionally. But what they do say is that's fine. I'll go ahead and put you beyond that for another five or eight or 10,000, but don't, don't expect to get any fight bonuses. And it's been said in multiple times. And I'm sure I'm fire. I'm sure fighters will verify that as well. It's not just me is that if you want to negotiate a little bit harder for an extra 10 grand, every time you fight, that's fine. But don't expect to get that 40 or 50, whatever the bonus is now it used to be 65 for a while. <laughs> don't expect to get that $50,000 bonus in the back locker room because that's gone. So you have to make that choice. Do you want to try to be the submission of the night or performance of the night or whatever it is that they do now? Don't, do you want to try and be that? Or do you want that extra 10 grand every time you fight? I think you, that as, a, as an athlete, you need to make that decision, you know, but that, that has to do with feelings being put aside on what you want to do. Dana is, he is not your friend when it comes to negotiation time. He can be your friend throughout the hallway. He can be your friend, you know, passing, you know, at the, at the nightclub or whatever it is you guys see each other. He can be your friend, but he is not your friend during that time. It's time to negotiate 60, 80, 100, $500,000. He's not your friend. Adversarial relationship. <laughs> How many times do I have to say, it? you know, it's funny. The, the first time wasn't the first time I met uh, Lorenzo Fertitta, but when the Fertittas bought the UFC, they brought everybody into a, uh, well, not everybody. They brought like Mike Goldberg and Jeff Blatnick and me. and. Uh, Flew us into Vegas to just talk, ask questions, took us to dinner at this Italian restaurant, you know, and was basically saying everything that they wanted, you know, what they were going to do with the UFC and everything. But I remember as I was sitting there talking with Lorenzo, 
he made a statement to me that scared the hell out of me. And I don't, I don't, when I say scared the hell out of me, it just was the way he said it and the conviction with what he said. And it went completely opposite of everything that I knew. Because he told me, and it was that basic line of, you know, he says, oh, John, let me, let me make this really clear to you. He goes, friendship is friendship and business is business, but friendship never beats business. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> because look at, I'll, I'll break things for a friend. I'll do it for friends. You know, I'll, I'll do a whole lot. Yeah. Business is, you know, I'm, I'm not that businessman that obviously a Lorenzo Fertitta is, and he's brilliant, you know, and that's why he was able to take a company that, you know, he bought for several million and make it into something that he sold for billions, you know, and, and that's the difference just in their mentality. They are, they'll do things for you and, and they'll try to, you know, you know, you know, be, you know, someone that is, you know, helping you or doing things for you in a certain way. But man, when it comes to the end, it's business. And if they're saying, you know what, you're not delivering or you think you can do better somewhere else, go. Yeah. They're going to drop you and that all that, oh, we had dinner before or we, you know, you texted me. It doesn't count. Well, it's a business. Businessmen expect other business people, men or women, to not put them in a position to have friendship put on the line. Because that's how they deal with it. It's like, look, if you're another business person, which fighters and athletes should think that way, is no matter how I get into you negotiating my contract, when this is all said and done, we should be, still be able to be friends. And sure. that's, I think that's kind of what Lorenzo was getting to, is like, you shouldn't push me to the point where we're not friends anymore. Like, I'm telling you this is what my business is, and you're telling me this is, what you're, this is where your line is, this is where my line is. We're trying to meet in the middle. If you want to start bringing in our friendship into it, then that means that we're not doing business anymore. We're dealing friendships and I can get rid of the friendship and not have to worry about that anymore. That's kind of when you said that, that that's exactly what I thought. Paige is, I feel like getting into that, like, well, we're friends. No, you're one of my athletes that I pay to perform on a big stage and I pay you for that and compensate you for that. And so as much as I like Paige, this is a business. And I think, well, I think one of the things was she was, personally hurt by the words that Dana said, uh, she got smoked. Go ahead. You know, yeah. I think you should go and uh, yeah. see what you're worth. Yeah. You know, is, again, you can't be hurt by that. You know, yeah. you've got to have thick skin in this, no matter who you are as a fighter, you have to have thick skin as Dana. You know, look at Dana's got some of the thickest skin there is. Okay. It bounces off him. He doesn't give a shit. Mm -hmm. All right. And if I was worth 400 something million, I wouldn't give a shit either. (laughs) There you go. You know, as an official, I tell guys all the time, Hey man, you got to have thick skin. Don't let this bother you. Yeah. If you're letting it bother you, it's going to kill you. And when you have people that if you're Paige and you believe that Dan is your friend and then he goes, Oh, you got smoked. It hurts, but it shouldn't. You, you should be wise enough to understand he's a promoter. He's a promoter who no longer has you under a contract. Mm-hmm. And my job is now not to promote you. Mm-hmm. My job is actually to diminish you, to make it to where people go, oh, she's not worth anything. Yep. Yeah. You, I mean, we saw it with Cyborg, same thing. 
We've, oh, seen yeah. it. We've seen it with other fighters that have left as well. And um, you're going to continue to see it. That's what their job is to do. Like uh, as much as as much as people think that I like to rag on Dana, he's doing what's best for his company. That's and, exactly what he's doing. You know, and when we're having this conversation, it's a it's a it's a business. And the, the Lorenzo line sticks with Dana as well. You don't interview. You don't intertwine the two things when you're doing those things. As far as with Dana, I think he's going to continue doing what he does and he puts on good fights. He does, you know, has good matchmaking with uh, the guys that are there doing it now for him. And you're going to always get this. And if you think that you are immune to it or whatever it is, just look at what John Jones is going through right now. It's the same thing. It doesn't matter who you are, you guys. It look, and this sport will always be here. Don't think that you're ever bigger than the sport. You're never uh, bigger than the sport. Ever <laughs> in your life are you bigger than the sport. As much as I like to look back at <clears throat> as other athletes, you guys got to look back in the history of all sports, NFL, NBA. When those guys left, Barry Sanders left when he was 30 years old. Sure, it hurt and it sucked. But two, three years down, not even two years, a, year, a year, year and a half, football went on. It's fucking bigger than ever. Okay, up until COVID. Okay, but it's it's bigger than ever. You know what I mean? The NBA. We when we lost when they lost Jordan. Oh, they're never going to be anyone like him. Yeah, there's no one. We had Kobe there for a little bit, but was not quite what Jordan was. But LeBron's there now. He's still not quite what Jordan was. But there's always Pretty another guy. Close. There's always another guy. There's always, always. somebody else. And there's always what? someone to take that spot. When LeBron is gone, there'll be another LeBron two or Jordan two or whatever you want to call it that's going to replace him. So when fighters start saying, oh, my feelings are hurt or, you know, I can just leave and retire. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's the answer you're going to get from all of these companies, whether it's the NFL, M NBA, or, you know, uh, Major League Baseball, especially the UFC, even Bellator. They're going to tell you, go ahead, see you later. Think about this. Will Brooks was the champion at Bellator. Scott Coker, when he came in, tried to do him a favor, gave him a little bit of a bonus and said, hey, you know what? You're our champion. You were getting a little under, underpaid under Bjorn. And he eventually started talking bad about Bellator. And as a champion, they just cut him. Yep. See you later. Promotions don't, I don't think Dana's, Dana, you know, like, but that was when Scott first came in. The, the point is, is that uh, you're not bigger than the show. Well, that's the whole thing is you need to look in at the time when, when Scott came in. He had the situation with Will Brooks and he had Eddie Alvarez. Yes. Who was in a contract dispute, almost legal lawsuit because of the contract that he had with Bellator and Bjorn Rebney. And Scott came in and said, Hey, man, I'm just going to give you your release. I'm yeah. going to let you go. You want to go to the UFC? Go to the UFC. Okay. And, you know, Eddie was like, You're, you're kidding. <laughs> and no. he goes, No, you, you, you can go. We're going to let you go. And so he'll do it based upon, you know, does he want Eddie Alvarez to fight for him? Sure. Of course. He does. There's no doubt. But I don't want to have Eddie Alvarez fighting for me if he's not happy. Exactly. I don't want that guy. Yep. That guy's not going to be good for me. And it's exactly what he did with Will Brooks. Will Brooks notoriously would complain about things. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I like Will as a person. He's a nice guy. But even his management said... He won't listen because I, yeah. I told his management, hey, are you seeing what your guy is saying? Yeah, that is not intelligent. And it's not only not intelligent for where he's at. It's not intelligent if he wants to go somewhere else. Yeah. OK, they're, they're going to look at that and go, oh, he's a bit of a problem. I said, so, you know, he goes, I can't stop him. Mm -hmm. OK, you can't stop him. And Scott came in, said, 
you are more of a problem than you are of a help to my company. I'm just going to get rid of you. I don't care who you are. Yeah. And that's the right way to do it because I've tell people this all the time. Look, everybody, I don't care who you are. You can be replaced. The person that comes in may not be as good as you, but they'll still do the job. Mm -hmm. Even the president of the United States is at least changed at least every eight years, sometimes every four years. Yep. Okay. If they can replace that person, they can definitely replace you. That's a good way of putting it. You know, it's true. I mean, the, the Eddie thing was one of those things where, yeah, Scott would have loved to have kept him, but there was sure. so much that had went on before Scott had taken over. He's like, yeah. look, let's just, let's just let you go. We're going to let you go. Hope it's all good. And one day, if you do decide to come back, we'll be yep. here. And that's, that's what I've always appreciated about with Scott. And I've always had the reason why we've had such a relationship is that's the way it has been. Do you want to go? Go. If you don't want to look, then, okay, then stay. Let's figure this out. That's the kind of relationship I think you want with a promoter. I think Dana over the years has become so numb to all of this shit because he has such a huge stable of fighters and he's gone from guys that he was very close with in the very beginning from Tito and Chuck and other guys that were there. You know what I mean? Like he, he was yeah. very close with them when the promotion started, when, when Lorenzo and those guys came up, came over. Well, he was managing. Yeah, he was managing. Yeah, he was managing both of them. But the point is, is that those guys then later on, you know, it's like you, the relationship, it's business still, you know what I mean? Like there was at the end there, it was still had to be business, even though they're friends. So you have to, I I've said this like with the, the Eddie things, I've said this about my gym as well. I've noticed gyms like martial arts gyms, <clears throat> people sign one year contracts and then they say that, Hey, I lost my job. I can't afford it anymore. I got to cut it. And they take them to fucking small claims court. And I'm like, well, do you want somebody there at your gym really that really can't afford to be there? Can't and they're just going to be a cancer in your gym. This fucking place. The only reason why I come, just spreading it amongst your, amongst your members because they're suing me or because they're taking me to small claims. Where I might as well just train here then, since I'm here. That is the type of thing you don't want in your promotion. You don't want people talking. You know, you don't want your athletes unhappy. You know, no. you see it on the NBA teams when you know a player wants to get traded. And they make a big fuss and then event, you know, they, they hold on and they just don't play well. And they, they, they do shit on purpose. You don't want cancer in it, you know? And so I think, you know, the way Scott handles it is appropriate, but I think with Paige, she just needs to understand this is a business and to avoid that, you don't, Dana doesn't want to keep her cancer either. If she's going to continue to say things. So he, she's got to be careful. Cause I think Dana would like to keep her. I think he'd like to keep her and sure. keep promoting her. There's no doubt about it. I don't think, but you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be offended by the littlest things I say, then we can't keep going. We can't keep dating, which is, you know, you fighting for me. Yeah. So no, what else? Dave? That's all good. Um, yeah, I think I was, we covered a lot this week because we yeah. had two other shows. Yeah. 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 Uh, all I right. Got, uh, I think that was it. So we're going to be seeing each other here shortly and we hope, are. hope you guys enjoy the show and we will be in quarantine. <clears throat> no, just yes. <laughs> no. Oh, I can't believe it. So let's let's tell everybody what we have to go through so they can kind of understand. Oh, my God. Hey, all right. Did, when did you take your test? I took the oh, same day. You same day we were on the same Zoom. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, you were, you were really bad on that. I just want you to know. Oh, it was horrible. No. Well, for some reason, my phone, it kept saying that I was, it was waiting to be added to the, a screen kept popping up and saying, the host has not added you yet or waiting to be added or something. And then in between, it was a circle right on the girl's face that was walking us through it of, you know, how like your dial up or whatever, whatever the, your internet. Oh, yeah. 
Like something's that's loading. Kind of, that's the kind of shit that happens to me all the time. And I just like throw, take the phone. Bro. I'm done. I'm so pissed, man. I have no patience for it. Yeah. And then I just couldn't, but, get the, I couldn't get the saliva going without bubbles. I didn't understand that. <laughs> I, I was like, how do I spit without bubbles? They want you to drool. Yeah. It was weird. That was bad. So, but anyways. so yeah, we, all right. We, we have to take a COVID-19 test to make sure that we don't have COVID so we can either get on the plane or get ourselves to the Mohegan sun. And once we're there, we immediately get to take another test yeah. to make sure that we didn't contract something in route, right? So we take that test and then we are quarantined. We have to stay in our room. We have to, no meals outside of the room. You can do room service and stuff, but can't, no, no gym, no, restaurants no bars gambling what's that no bars <laughs> no bars and so you stay in the room until they come back with this test 24 hours later you can now go into what is going to be what i call the dome of health they call come it on, the you bubble. gotta love the dome of health. they call come it on, the bubble they call it the bubble the but the bubble sounds weak yeah what do you want to be in the bubble or the dome of health the Come bubble, on. the bubble. I'm sorry, but <laughs> you kind of talked me into it. The bubble. Ah. And so you go into the dome of health where <laughs> only other people from the promotion and that have passed the test can enter the dome of health or the bubble. And then you have to wear a mask the whole time and you're going to do things. We're going to be doing things on Zoom as far as we normally do fighter interviews. Those will all be done on Zoom and everything. And then we have to take another test if you're going to be the guy that goes into the cage or anything like that. If you're Michael Williams or anything, it's 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 a lot of tests. So you Does that you missed, sound about right? Yeah, you missed a little bit though. So we are Talk to oh, me. so as soon as we land in in where we where do we land at? Hartford. Hartford. You soon, do. I'm driving. Oh, dude. you're driving. You're crazy. I'm 14 hours. I don't give nuts. a shit. So we I'm land driving. in Hartford. <clears throat> I land in Hartford. I can, you can only be one person per car. So you have your own limo, your own, whatever. Oh, that, is, that just makes you feel special. We normally have our own. <laughs> now you're going. We normally have our own, but I'm, I'm saying. Look at me. I got my own car. I'm for good. all the fighters, they're only allowed to have one. They can't ride with their corners. Every corner, every fighter. has. Are to you kidding? Every no, corner is going to be different. Everyone has to have their own. Well, yep. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yep. You're so, way more up on this. So thing. that, and then when they all get there um like for me like we I, you meet at the check you check in desk you get your food vouchers because you can order food that night as soon as you land so you can order food food's 24 hours but there's there's only a certain there's only restaurants there's only restaurants we can attend are the ones that are in our bubble in and the bubble until then though until we get done with our tests in the morning at 9 a.m we quarantine for 24 hours we can only order room service cannot leave our room cannot leave anywhere go out of the hallway nothing um, there is security on the floors to make sure we don't leave our rooms. What? Yes, there's security on the area. It's basically, what? Say, yes, like saying like, "Hey, you have everything you need. If you need something, what? we can get it for Hold you. On. What? We can get it for you. It's on the floor. I can get past them. I know I can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you say bolt over here. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Um. So then, there's that. Then after we get done with our test, okay, we can pass it. Every day that we are working, we have to do a questionnaire questionnaire that's emailed to us and that gets sent directly to i believe viacom cbs and those guys to let them know that we're not feeling feverish sick all the other things um but then we also have to do an actual 
test again down below where they do your temperature, nope. your a physical. They take your blood well, pressure. Well, just to get into the bubble just every time. Just to get into the bubble you every single get day. Your little temperature test. Yeah. And stuff. So the bubble only goes from our hotel floor, which we all are on the same floor, I believe, is what it sounds like. Are one we? Or, one or two floors. Yeah, I think one or two floors. So we all, and those those floors are only go to the one area. The one area goes directly to the, <laughs> what is that? The foyer that's there in the front of that where we meet. That's all we can go. And there's one restaurant in between there that they have blocked off strictly for us. But in that restaurant, there's only a very limited amount of seating because of the space of six feet apart. So you and I, I guess apparently we can eat dinner together, but we have to be six feet apart from each other. So I don't know how this is going to work, man. This is, this is, especially after we all just tested clean. If we're in the bubble, you can't get into the bubble unless you've passed the test. That That's my real problem with everything. And, and I, I have no problem with the fact that they want to test people. You know, hey, we want to make sure that you don't have it before you get on a plane. Or yeah. I understand that. That makes sense. Okay. Oh, we're going to test you as soon as you get off of it to make sure that you, okay, I understand that. That makes sense. But once... We've all been tested. This is what I said on the meeting. Is mm-hmm. like, once we've all been tested and Josh doesn't have it and I don't have it, Sarno doesn't have it, and Norty doesn't have it. Okay, why all right, why am I doing this six foot thing? Yeah. I'm in the bubble. These guys have been tested. I've been tested. No one has it. And well, we don't want you to you know, all of a sudden get it because all of a sudden he got it. It's like this is ridiculous. But the the next but part I'll follow it. I want to get into is that with you. You've got to test again 24 hours before the fight. Yeah, baby. And then quarantine until the day of the event. That's because I'm special. Like, yeah, a little short yellow bus special. <laughs> You're going to be the one that because you have to go in the cage to do the interview. Yep. So you have Michael to. Michael Williams, same yeah, thing, man. Same thing with Michael Williams. And then they're saying even maybe, maybe Mercedes, too, because she's going to be the ring girl going on the outside and she crosses paths with the fighters. Oh, I'd test her. Yeah, they're gonna. No, it sounds like from the 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 meeting we had, it sounds like they're gonna. So yeah, there's a lot, man. There's a lot. I don't even know. I don't know. Well, I I look at it this way, you know, like any entity, the UFC itself, Bellator being owned by Viacom CBS. Viacom CBS is a big corporation. The UFC is owned by you know uh, Disney. Yeah, basically Disney. Yeah. No, that's that that's who they're getting TV from. WME. Yeah, you know, WME IMG. You know, that's a huge company too. But Viacom CBS is a huge company. They have a lot of liability, and I understand they're trying to cover all their liability. And so, hey, if that's what they have to do, so we can put on fights and the fighters can go out and do their things, I'm all for it. Let's do it. Let me ask you this though. I will make fun of everything. Did you watch the fights tonight? I did. We just talked about them. Did you see after every fight, the interviews? Yes. After every single one of those fights, do you think they swap out the headset every single time? Because every different fighter, winner, fighter goes on that headset and does they, an interview? They, they, they spray that thing out. What about the, the actual piece you're talking to? New phone piece every time? Yeah, they put a new phone piece. I'm going with they put a new phone piece. Look at, it's is that what you're trying to mic, say? Like this mic right here. You know, if it's got the cord, all they do is take and snap it in, put another thing, or take the yeah. Phone they just piece take off. the front off, the phone piece off. Come on, like, but are you hoping that they have that? Boom! Take it off. Yeah. Throw it away. But it no big. On, but it was on a headset. Also, don't they not have COVID because they just got to fight? But we were just trying to have this conversation about why are we still six feet away after we just tested positive, it's the, negative, it's the, the whole thing. Before. Yes, we've already tested negative. So why do we have to still maintain six feet? Fine, I'll stay away six feet. 
but it doesn't make any sense that we can't like only a certain amount of people in one area, but you're gonna let two guys basically get all sweaty and bleed all over each other. <laughs> okay, but you now here's the question I want, you know, I can come in and do the like the little the little mask that they're all wearing what goes around your ears. Yeah. You know, that looks like a face diaper. Okay. I can do that. Or I can come in one full ball of clava with, you know, eyes so you don't see anything. Why is one acceptable and the other's not? Because everyone's going to say, oh, you can wear this one, but don't wear that one because that one looks like you're going to rob the place. Yeah. Well, they I think I should be able to wear whatever I want. Until you go into a gun store and they're like, yeah, we don't allow people with masks. <laughs> we don't allow people with masks in here <laughs> or banks, right? You can't go into a bank yeah. with the belt of clava. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> no, man. It, there was actually someone had sent me a picture of a bank and they, they had the two comparisons. This mask, okay. This mask, not okay. Not yeah. okay. Uh, I can <laughs> understand it. Good. We are being robbed. Yeah, that's great. All right, guys. Well, hey, uh, prowrestlingtees.com slash yes, rain in. Use the um, code. Promo code birthday. Prom- promo code birthday. We have four oh. new shirts up there, or four shirts up there, I should say, and one new one uh, with our new logo. Check that out. Um, go ahead and hit that purchase button, buddy, and uh, send us a picture or a link or whatever of you wearing it. We'll repost it for you guys. We appreciate all the support, and uh, we thank you guys. So we will talk to you guys when we get back from Mohegan Sun, Bellator, this and we Friday. Would l- last thing we want to say is, hey, thank you very much. We are over 50,000 yes, subscriptions. We are. we are way over. We're over 51. We're on a, I think we're at 52. I think we're at 55. We, 54, 55 now. I am so lost. Yeah. We're at 54, 55. We are kicking ass. Yeah, we hit 50 last Thursday or something like that. And then now we're at 55 already, which is pretty damn good. I'm pretty yeah, excited. Bye. Hey, we owe it to yeah, you guys, bye. though. The reason why we, that's happening for us is you guys keep hitting the thumbs up on the YouTube. So the yep. thumbs up shares our video to everyone, and we appreciate that. Um, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, all those things. Hit the subscribe. Well. Yeah, hit the subscribe button on those as well. And, uh, you know, we're trying to get our audios up as well. So that, I mean, everyone seems to go right to the YouTube but we appreciate it. We're trying to get our audios up as well. So if you guys can hit the subscribe on all of those as well, we appreciate you guys and we thank you and we're out.